Welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, a.k.a. Colette Prosper. I'm a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from R.I.P. Angela Lansbury, uh, Murder, She Wrote, no, 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 Murder, She Wrote, so sad, Uh, 96, good innings, though, uh, as the British would say. Um, uh, On this show today, we have Fola, Goke, Pariola, amazing, very stylish, very, very uh, sweet, um, unassuming, but just very chic, like bien chic, as my mom would have loved him. Uh, just a really sweet guy. I also saw him at Amy and Yobi's one year uh, super special anniversary with Anj Kanesia. Um, she's director of, of development. Um they were celebrating their one-year anniversary. Super exciting. Uh, Fola was there. Um, and then some other upcoming guests were um, that are going to be on my show were at the party. So uh, I went to the party to socialize and to meet people, but then also to recruit people to this show. So uh, you'll be hearing more and more of uh, these interviews as they roll out. But Fola, I actually had talked to before the party. I didn't know that he was a friend of Pei, who's one of my um, mentee mates. And so he was there. It was really awesome to chat with him. And you'll hear more. In the meantime, if you like this show, please give it a review on whatever podcast you listen to, whatever podcast service you listen to, rather. Uh, And if it's Apple Music, give it five stars. I will be eternally grateful. It's how people can find the show. Um, So we'll just go straight into our interview. It's a styles chat. We're going to talk about personal style. We're going to talk about writing style. We're going to talk about, um, you know, interacting with people. And then also uh, Fola has a an awesome uh, catfishing article that was published, I believe, in the L.A. Times. And so check that out. It'll be in the show notes and see you next week. Just listen, listen up to the listen to the interview. Uh, and uh that's it. it. And then more interviews to follow. This is what the show is. This is a, aren't are you not entertained, which is one of my uh, like movie lines that just like lives rent free in my mind. And we're back. Awesome. So let's get into my talk with writer Fola Goke Paiola. Hey, Fola. I'm sorry. Hey, Fola. Hi. (laughs) Good. You said my name so perfectly. I love it. Thank you. You have a wonderful, melodious, beautiful name. Um, Is there an an origin story? Is there is there a story behind your your name, Fola? Yeah, I'm Nigerian-American. Yeah. My parents emigrated to the U.S. Uh, a couple years before I was born. So my full name, my full first name was Fola Jimmy. And mm-hmm. that means a gift from God. It loosely means a gift from God, or it could also mean God gave you wealth. So that's what that means. Is that Yoruba? No pressure. Yeah, Yoruba. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's Yoruba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so no, yeah, no pressure. But there is pressure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is it is a lot to put on your 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 son. But no, it's a nice name. And then my last name, uh, it's Pariola is, is the family last name, and my dad added the Goki for a reason that I can't remember. But yeah, that's it. So we're the only Goki Pariolas in the world. So that's you know you won't find anyone else if you Google my name. <laughs> my my nephews, their name is um, um, Olami Goki. Their their last oh. name. So oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't, yeah, I mean, maybe we're all related. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, in so, yeah, in some way. Yeah, yeah. My dad's name was Ola Goke before he changed it. So that's a uh, common Yoruba name. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I, you had 
two really great shows that came out this summer. You you worked on uh, w- within a group. You worked on Paper Girls and Tom Swift. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, you know, I want to talk to you about genre writing, uh, writing about teens, uh, genre stories, also your networking style. Um, I feel like I need to step my game up, um, but it seems like you have some game. So I want to know, like, if you have any, any, you know, secrets, any tips. Um, And then you also wrote a really fun uh, catfishing story in the L.A. Times a few years back. And I'd love to talk to you about it, too, because it also is... Um, it has the makings of like a short film or even like a pilot in itself. So I wonder, um, so yeah. I want to talk to you about that too. So, but Great. first up, can we play a very quick game? Yes, I would love to. It is called Are You Weirder Than Weird? Um, and this is like a compliment. Um, recently, Meghan Markle had uh, her, in her podcast, she had an episode about divas. And so she was talking to Mariah and Mariah um, was telling uh, Meghan like, you're a diva too. And that's okay. Kind of thing. Cause like yeah. Meghan started yeah. to get kind of offended um, because she took it like, um, like in like in a kind of uh, like in a pejorative kind of way, but it yeah. it wasn't meant for that. It was just like almost like empowering, like um, and uh, yeah. So anyway, so weird can be good too. Is is my point? Yeah. So yeah. my question to you first up is: choose your favorite color: black, blue, yellow, lime green, orange, red, pink, or purple blue okay next question what's your favorite school subject math english pe lunch okay oh i thought there was gonna be more than that okay math uh english pe or lunch i think i would have to say honestly math even though it doesn't make sense because i'm a writer but i i really enjoyed math in school yeah. And, you know, with math, there's uh, it's not subjective. It's it's just it yeah. is what it is. That's that's the answer. Um, yeah. What's your Hogwarts house? Is it Gryffindor, Hufflepuff? Are you Slytherin, Ravenclaw? Uh, I am. Or no idea. Or all, all the way. The, oh, no, all the way. Hufflepuff. I, I nice. A, I have 100 percent of an idea. I'm definitely a Hufflepuff. <laughs> OK. Have you, you ever done any like sorting where you determined what you were and you were found to be Hufflepuff? Yeah, I've done that a few times and I'm always a Hufflepuff and I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. So, yeah. Yeah, love <laughs> it, love it. But but you're not reading Braithwaite, right? You're not reading her latest book? Oh, God, no. Harry Potter nerd, Harry Potter fan, not a J.K. Rowling fan. <laughs> yeah, she can keep that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. Pick a number, 13, 7, 3, or 6? 7. Okay. What's your favorite genre of music? Country, rock, pop, or techno? Oh, okay. I thought there'd be more um, genres. Out of that, 100% pop. Choose a hobby, knitting, baking, running, or reading. Ooh, that is a tough toss-up between baking and reading, but I think I, I love sweets, so I'm going to say baking. Nice. And Cameron Johnson, who was the showrunner for Tom Swift, the show that you worked on, is a baker mm-hmm. and would talk about mm-hmm. um, how he, he uh, makes amazing uh, like cookies and treats and stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, I wonder if he brought any in. He did. He did. I feel like there was one time he brought a really delicious it was like a chocolate chip cookie but it was like in like a hard biscuit form Ooh. or something it was like a play on chocolate chip cookie and it had like uh sea salt on it and everything it was it was really delicious wow oh so it's kind of like shortbread like shortbread yeah oh yeah that's what it was it was shortbread chocolate chip cookie with sea salt it was so good wow 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 okay choose your favorite season winter spring fall or summer um, 
toss up between summer and fall, but I think I'm going to say fall. Choose a movie genre. Comedy, action, horror, romance. Action. I really love action and like uh, big, big blockbuster movies. Yeah, me too. Okay, so <laughs> newsflash, you're completely normal. <laughs> oh, great. There's nothing weird about you at all. Are you sure you're not a robot? The quiz asks. This is the only time I've ever, ever been called normal. So I'll, I'll take it, honestly. <laughs> when, when did you ever most feel weird? Or like awkward? That's a good question. Um, had to be sometime in school. I feel like, I feel like probably elementary school. I think I was just like, I had a good experience growing up and everything, but I feel like I was a little bit shy. I was mm -hmm. definitely nerdy and was so focused on school. And I, I definitely felt different than everyone else, you know, not in a traumatic way or anything, but it was, yeah, I definitely felt weird in elementary school. You're from Ohio? No, I mean, my phone number is from Ohio. So plenty of people think that I'm from Ohio, but I am from Georgia. I was born and raised in Savannah area. Oh, wow. And then later, yeah. Later on, we moved to the Atlanta area, and that's where home is now. But mm -hmm. that's where I grew up in Savannah mostly. Oh, well, I um, I have a guest um, that was on um, several months ago, Nichelle Stevens, who lives out in mm. Savannah. I've never been. It looks mm. beautiful, the Weeping Willows, and um, there's mm -hmm. so much history. There's actually, um, there's like a Haitian statue, I think, in, in Savannah. Uh, yeah. So, okay, so you, so you went to school, I guess, out, out in Ohio? Uh, no, I went to school. The Ohio number is because my dad lived there for a couple years, and I had to, there was a weird period where I had to go on his plan for like six months oh. and change it for my Atlanta number, and then I was 18, and he was like, now you're on your own plan. And I'm like, thanks, and now I just have this random uh, 614 <laughs> number. But it, it's nice being in LA, not having an LA number. Yeah. Because I know when when spam is calling, so that's I. So I like that. Yeah. No one else is going to call call me from Ohio. Right. But, um, I went to school in North Carolina. I went to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So you're you're southern, like you. Yeah. Um, yeah, Georgia, North Carolina. It's really funny. I I was thinking of like um your phone. I was thinking of like there was that like weird Tom Hanks movie where he's like stuck in an airport, like he's a person without terminal. terminal like he's like stuck without yeah. he has no citizenship anywhere so i feel like that's like your phone yeah. like your phone is like unmoored yeah. like has no connection to anything but it just exists that's my phone i remember and i remember that movie i saw it with my dad in theaters <laughs> nice okay so i guess that's a story because like the thing is is with uh with like networking is you have to so i guess to backtrack um i was in a another mentoring um meeting where not with uh amy and Obi, but with uh with another group and this um writer director was saying how you need to have like one cool thing ready to say about you like your elevator pitch like what what's something distinctive about you kind of thing and so we went around and i i'm very shy i'm not the type to like toot my own horn but it's like you have to i guess toot your horn like if you're want to work in the industry and so yeah. it was is it was as if like i never had a life it was i was like your phone like it, i had no connection to anything so like um what's what's sort of like your elevator pitch like when you're meeting people and you're very like fashionable you're very um as they say in oh, french like bcbg like you're very um <laughs> you know uh uh flaneur like nice style so oh, yeah you. so What's your what's your pitch? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I do think it is good to have something that makes you stand out from all the sea of other writers. And that's kind of the advice I give to people who are coming up. I'm like, make sure you make yourself stand out. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I have something that I don't know if I take my own advice. Because like, I think what makes me stand out sort of is just like demographically. Uh -huh. I just say the words queer, Nigerian, American, uh -huh. in Georgia. <laughs> and then I just I just I just say that over and over again, until they hire me or take a meeting or whatever. I feel like that it's not necessarily that it's something I've done. Yeah. But I think it's few and far in between in general and then in the industry. So I think I just say that sentence or put that in front of my bio. And then I'm like, that's what makes me interesting. You've got to remember that, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that part of your, cause that, that's 
like your branding kind of because uh, especially with uh, Paper Girls and with Tom Swift dealt with elements of like, um, you know, queer identity with, um, uh, you know, being black in America. Um, So so, yeah, so it's it's so it's like because those those sort of key words pop up about you, they were like, okay, we have to hire Fola. Yeah, I feel, and I feel like it's 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 an, it's always it's kind of like a tricky thing because you don't want to ever just be hired to get into a room because of your skin tone or your sexuality or, mm-hmm. or your nationality and stuff like that. But I think in, on this in the same breath, I want to say that we just need more viewpoints in the room. Obviously, we need more people of color, more queer people, more women mm-hmm. in different rooms. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that from experience, and that I think my viewpoint, like a lot of other people, don't have. So I think that's important, and so that's something that can catch someone's eye but of course you always want your writing style you know i always say that i'm really into character driven coming of age stories especially queer stories those are the kind of stories that i want to tell mm-hmm. so i always kind of make sure that my writing style and my work kind of um kind of speaks for itself as well on top of the fact that demographically i might sort of stand out and also i mean another thing that i it's kind of a roundabout thing but if i i worked on the other side of the industry in like the studio yeah. production company world and development for a while mm-hmm. i was an executive assistant for many years in film and then tv and i worked on a lot of projects was in a lot of pitch meetings and i have i that also kind of makes me stand out as a writer because a lot of writers don't have that experience it's not exactly a clear path to the writer's room when you're working in development mm-hmm. but all the years and many hours i spent all the gray hairs that i got in my beard yeah. from that job it, it, it really helps me on this side knowing development executives producers what they're looking for and everything so that's also something that i will say to make me stand out yeah that's amazing so you you've been on the other side of pitching which for a lot of writers is very nerve-wracking um and so so in a way you know what you know what they want you know what they Mm -hmm. what what these developers crave right exactly so have you ever have have you um pitched um have you been on the other side yet pitching your your stories I have. I haven't pitched a ton, but I've had a couple of projects that I've taken out and a couple like books that I pitched on and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's so nerve wracking to be honest, but it's I do have a more of an understanding of what they're doing on the other end and like what because I've been on the other side. But yeah. more so, honestly, it's being in the writers' rooms, being able to kind of read through the in between the lines with studio and network notes mm-hmm. and interfacing with the studio and network. I know what they're thinking, and I'm not precious about anything because I understand how the other side works. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same team. We all want the show to be good. And there's ways to work together that's not so adversarial. And I think that that's what helped, that's what's helped me the most with my experience. Okay, that's awesome. So like in making the leap from the development side to now the writing side, the creative side. So like what's what's been, I, there's something um, I've, I've asked a, a a, a few people before is this like what's the most like slickest or possibly most desperate move you ever made in can like in trying to make a connection with a person in the industry but it actually proved successful so like um i talked to one person who airdropped a famous movie director um um, like a high message or she or, or like an emoji like they were both in the same cafe and so she found him on airdrop and like sent him something and then she ended up talking to him for an hour um there was another person that i talked to that once uh, facebook messaged a famous producer and it actually was okay <laughs> like it wasn't awkward yeah. so was oh do you God. have a moment where you did something like that I do not, because I'm a, I'm a very anxious person, and I just, the thought of doing that makes me, like, sweat, you know? Yeah. Like, so I've never done anything like that, and I've always kind of came up thinking that was the wrong way to go about things, to be that bold, but I've heard in the years, I've heard many stories, like the ones you're telling me, sending something via physical mail to their offices, sliding into their DMs, and all those stories, they always work, mm-hmm. so I mean, maybe, so maybe the advice is be bold you know because it clearly has worked for some people but i haven't done anything like that so what's like a bold thing that you've done oh my gosh um i don't know if i've done that many bold things i I mean i felt bold when i moved here across country yeah i drove across country for sure it was like we yeah we had a few of us had internships from unc and then 
we drove across country, we caravan, we had walkie talkies, we were coming out here, we had internships, and it felt crazy. I what were the walkie talkies for if you had cell phones? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was I'm gonna I'm gonna date myself. It was ten years ago. We did have cell phones, but service wasn't always great. And we wanted everyone to be on the same line. Yeah. So we could be like, oh, I need to, I need to pee, get off of the next exit. You know, oh, wow. like, you know, because <laughs> like, like, the... we're so we lost them. Yeah. Cause I, I remember like in Haiti visiting family and they all had walkie talkies because like, yeah, sometimes the phone service goes out or there's some kind of like yeah. horrible thing that's happening or, or something happens and you got to communicate differently than on your phone. But okay. So you were all in separate cars, like Fast and the we're Furious. All in separate cars. Yeah, some, some of us doubled up, had someone in my car, but it was a lot of separate cars. And I, it was funny, walkie-talkie sounds so dated. I mean, it was it was 2012. We shouldn't have been using walkie-talkies, but it worked It worked for us. It worked. I need to find it and, like, frame it or something. It was, like, the beginning of my Hollywood journey. But, you know, <laughs> I just realized the connection between the walkie-talkies and <laughs> Paper Girls. Paper Girls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, that is, I, 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 thank you for making that connection because that is a full circle journey. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you, so um, were you the one in the room like nerding out about the walkie talkies? Like because there was the one character. Um, yeah. I believe it was Tiffany. Was it Tiffany's character? Yeah. yeah, she was she was really serious about her walkie talkies. I was not the person in the room uh, who was geeking out about walkie talkies, but I wish I had been. The comic books definitely they, the walkie talkies were big in the comic books. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we loved about the comics that we wanted to bring to the screen. Yeah. But when you interviewed, was that yeah. the one thing that, was that like how, when you pitched yourself, were you like, yo, yeah. I know all about walkie talkies. <laughs> Let me tell you. I should have been. I, I made zero connection to that until this very moment. So, <laughs> but now it's going to become like a part of my like <laughs> story and my spiel. Like and now that's, and I'm going to like, even if I can't find the walkie talkie, I'm going to find one and then it's going to be like, this walkie talkie, was with me 10 years ago, 15 years ago, whatever, yes. when I told the story. And the first show that I wrote on, it was pivotal, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great story. <laughs> right. But what was what was the thing that you think sealed the deal for you in getting Paper Girls? I think it was a couple things. Cause I, so I was working as an executive assistant for the same executive for at two different companies. Uh, he was at Mark Gordon Company, and I worked for him for about a year and a half. He was head of TV there. Mm-hmm. And then he was going over to Legendary, and he asked me to come with him. And at first I was like, hell no. I like, God, this is too much work. I need to go find a job in the writer's room. But then I quickly was like, okay, yeah, I don't have anything lined up. Yeah. I'm gonna come with you for a little bit. Uh-huh. I was there for over a year over a year and a half. And the boss, he was a great boss. He was, he was a great producer. And he was always like, I can't force anyone to hire you. I know I have power, but I don't have that much power. You know, writer's rooms are small. But if you have a good sample and they're looking for someone at your level, I can always recommend you and get you a meeting, whether it's a legendary show or not a legendary show. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2019, I, that whole year, I was looking to get off the desk and, and start writing. Mm-hmm. My friends at the, com- the company and my friends in general who were execs and stuff were all looking out for me, trying to put me out for shows. But every kind of show that I kind of was put out for, they weren't getting picked up. It just nothing was working out most of the year. Yeah. And, but then near the end of the year, uh, Le- or Legendary acquired Paper Girls, uh, the property. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I was, I, I'm a fan of the comic books. I read it once they had acquired the property and I was re- really a big fan of it. Mm-hmm. And they needed a staff writer when they were trying to staff. And I asked my boss, I was like, I think I would, I would love to kind of be, be put up in the mix for this show, mm-hmm. you know? And it wasn't like an easy process. It wasn't like, great, hire him. It was like, talk to the creator, talk to the producer and be like, I have someone that I just wrote a new pilot. I just wrote the main sample that I'm using right now, been using for years. Mm-hmm. So I just written that. Mm-hmm. So I had a good sample that was a coming of age teen thing. It's called the it other one, I think. Set. Yeah, yeah, it's called the other yeah. one. I don't know if you read it or not. But yeah, yeah, it's called the other one. I read the long yeah. line. <laughs> I haven't yeah. read it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it's super, it's, it's, it, I had a lot of fun working yeah. on that. So I just written that and it kind of, everything was kind of falling into place. And then he talked to the producers like, yeah, if you have a staff writer you like, we'd love to meet them. And then if it works out, great, we don't have to search and find a million people, mm-hmm. you know, and then, so then I met with them, and then uh, time went by, and then and end of the day, I ended up getting the job. They liked the sample, they needed a staff writer, um, they needed certain things in the room that I fit, so it actually worked out in my favor, and the, the time that I spent as an executive assistant, although very grueling and very hard, all paid off in a really beautiful way, so then I was able to get on the show that I loved and was really passionate about and had a great time, you know, on. Right. But then also I would I would argue yeah. also that you were bold in yeah. telling people what you wanted. 
That's true. And everyone knew true. everyone yeah. knew what you were looking for because there are a lot of people who, especially in in that side of the aisle, they kind of yeah. keep that stuff close to their chest, right? Like they don't necessarily yeah. say, I have aspirations to, you know, be a writer or whatever. Yeah. They kind of just do the job and then maybe on the side, you know, secretly, right. surreptitiously, you know, um, submitting work, some, you know what I mean? And so like you actually were, yeah. were outwardly, you know, telling people. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I will, I will hundred percent claim that because you, you're all right. I mean, they just, I made it very loud and clear my goals and I, I did Outfest that year. I had a script oh, that I great. selected for the Outfest screenwriting lab. So I think that also helped that I had done, I got a script selected. I had, a, I was in a, a festival and I was just very vocal about these are my goals and I'm going to get there mm -hmm. one way or another. And it, and it just so happened that where I worked, they were able to help me get to where I wanted to be. That's you know? awesome. So, yeah. so that was, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. Um, in the, the experiences that you've had so far, what would you say was like the the moment where you think you you maximized that experience like to the best of your ability you rocked it um you and you got everything you wanted out of it and it became like uh this pivotal thing sorry uh what, what do you mean it's kind of a weird question but in in all of our ex like work experiences we might have expectations, we might have goals, but we might not, like even even working in development, like if I worked in development, mm -hmm. I might think like, okay, well maybe I could work in development and that would lead me towards uh, writing. But there's a lot more components to it where you actually have to like put yourself out there and let people know. Yeah. So I want to know like um, maximizing experiences. So I want to know like if there was a moment where you felt like you maximized an experience to the 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 best of your ability, and and it it also proved that it was successful. I don't know if that makes any sense. It does. It do, it does. It makes total sense. I mean, I feel like the story of how I first got sapped was like ultimate the ultimate me using an experience and uh, a job to really get to where I wanted to go. But I mean, more broadly, I can just say that I'm a very social person. I'm a very talkative person. Mm -hmm. I like to go out. I like to have fun. And I think that served me really, really well in the industry as far as people making, making relationships just to make relationships and not wanting or asking anything, not expecting anything, yeah. making relationships because I enjoy people and I want just to, to keep in touch with everyone. So I'm, I'm going to ask people to hang out I'm going to ask for dinners. I'm going to say we should go get brunch. I'm going to say we should go to the beach. And I think just maintaining a lot of friends and a lot of them who happen to be in the industry mm -hmm. has helped me as far as like, let me set you up with this meeting because a lot of these friends now are execs and stuff like that. And I didn't ask for anything. I didn't expect anything, but they're setting me up with meetings. My, I mean, I knew Cameron um, Johnson, yeah. uh, creator of Tom Swift. I knew him socially before he hired me. We weren't close at all, you mm -hmm. know, but I'm, and I, and I, I know that he hired me because he thought I'd be good on his show, but I, who knows if he would have looked at my name and me and been like, Oh, that's full. I wish we, we should read a sample and see if he'd be good for the show. So yeah. I think, I think just kind of expanding your network and community as something that I did really well in my twenties. And I think it's really benefited me, uh, generally. Yeah. It's, it's so important to, and that's the thing also is that like, these uh, relationships that you cultivate, it has to be for the relationship's sake and not for what it can get you because there are no guarantees. Yeah. Um, even at um, Legendary where you were, they told you up front, we can't guarantee. So it was just kind of like, you know, uh, it just worked out somehow, yeah. but it, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah because of uh, any kind of like machinating or whatever, like it, it was just like, it just naturally happened. So like, so exactly. that's, that's really cool. Um, and yeah, Cameron Johnson is um, super cool. I love, I love him on Insta also. He's really good friends yeah. with Amy Aniobi, who's uh, my, mm -hmm. one of my mentors and uh, was creator of Tom Swift. Tom Swift was in a lot of ways, a revolutionary show. And I feel mm -hmm. like um, the show has been canceled and we yeah. won't go into too many um, details about it. But like for me, I feel like that was probably one of the reasons because I, I feel like uh, the one of the reasons why it didn't um, continue is because it was so revolutionary. Sometimes people aren't ready to yeah. see something like that. You have um, 
black billionaire who is a tech wizard, um, who has a very colorful life. Um, yeah. Maybe heads weren't ready. I don't know. But it, I'm yeah. sure it was like an amazingly fun show to work on. What was it like working on it? It was so it? much fun to work on. Yeah, it was so much fun to work on. Uh, Cameron Johnson is amazing. He's so much fun. He's so good at what he does. Melinda Sue Taylor, one of the other showrunners, is amazing. And it just, it was so it was so much fun because the room was all like a big family. Mm-hmm. Everyone loved each other so much. We hung out outside of work. And writing on the CW show like this, we were able to have so much fun in the room. Like we got down, we got, we got to work. It was a lot of work. It was, mm-hmm. it was a lot of work, but it was fun. And we, and we really liked what we were doing. And it was fun to work on a show. Obviously the first uh, black queer titular character on network TV, like that's yeah. a big deal. Yeah. And a very, very black show. I, it was the first writer's room I was in where I wasn't the only black person. And I was wow. one of many black people in the room. Yeah. That was really phenomenal for me. I was one of several gay black men in the room, plus I, I plenty other identities, women, pe- trans people and everything. So it yeah, was a, it that's was amazing. A be- it was a beautiful thing. Yeah, I think it was a revolutionary room, to be honest. And like, obviously, we got canceled, which is very sad. And we had a lot more stories to tell. We had so much fun stories that were, were coming down the pipeline that I'm sad that we can't see. But I'm also extremely proud, you know, that those 10 episodes of season one they're out for everyone to enjoy mm-hmm. and i'm really proud of what we did in the room it was a great experience and i learned a lot um honestly yeah yeah that's great what's the biggest takeaway that you um that you got from from working with cameron johnson working on the show that that's yeah. like stuck with I, you while you're in, in your writing process um I'll say, I'll say two answers. I think working with Cameron Johnson, he's just such a character. He's really funny. He's really sharp. He's really quick-witted. I think we, I, in the room, we always joke that I was trying to take over his life. I'm like, he has a life that I want. He's got a beautiful house in the hills, <laughs> a, view, a view of the Hollywood sign. You're the talented Mr. Ripley. Friends. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was that was a joke. The whole the whole room had all these beautiful friends, like Amy Aniobi and stuff like that, the beautiful get-togethers at his place created a whole amazing show. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be you in a few years. So don't be surprised. <laughs> the camera doesn't show up to work one day and I'm, I, I, I'm taking its place. Uh, so, but I think I learned a lot about just like being, you know, uh, what a showrunner does and mm-hmm. how of story, storytelling and like in his path to get to where he was. I think I learned a lot about what it takes to be a boss and to be a creator in this industry. So one, I learned a lot about that. And two, the biggest takeaway, it's kind of a technical thing, but the biggest takeaway I think I learned from Tom Swift, which is how to write to production and, and mm-hmm. how to, how, because I, we, we weren't all on set, unfortunately, because of uh, COVID protocol. Yeah. But like a lot, the last show I worked on, both seasons that we worked on that, it was um, streaming and we wrote the show and then all, all the other stuff happens after the room because it's very separate. It's almost like a, in between a uh, TV and a feature model when you work on streaming a lot of cable shows. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, CW is a network show, so you're writing and you're shooting at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I got, to learn all about production even though i wasn't on set i learned about as much as i could without being on set because we were involved for our episode um every prep meeting we're hair and makeup director you know post-production all that stuff we were involved and, and they made us sure we understood what the budget was and what every line we did cost oh wow so i learned so much about writing to production and they, they taught us so much by letting us have agency and running these meetings and stuff like that so now I feel like I have, I can do a lot more after working on Tom Swift. Oh, that's awesome. So when, when you say for those that, that don't know, like writing to production. So like um, what I noticed, especially like with the pilot is, um, I mean, cause he's a tech wizard. So he's, yeah. um, his dad is in a spaceship. Um, he's, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, uh, he's communicating with him from, um, from space. And then, yeah. um, and then he has all these like gadgets like in his car and his like little like sexy layer. Like he has all these like, you know, things going on. But, you know, you have to pay for that. You don't have, you know, yeah. CW is not Marvel. So, but, so exactly. you ha- but you have to like maximize the money that you have in order to make things work. So it also, it also um, was up to the writers team, I guess, to like make sure that the scenes were like, hitting it but then at the same time affordably is that is that exactly is that what it means to like write in production that's precisely what it means because i mean we have a show about it's like sci-fi a little bit a tech billionaire it's a very 
expensive themed show, but you know, it's a network show. We don't have Game of Thrones money. We don't have Marvel money. Mm-hmm. So we had to find the ways to do things very practically that still looked cool and expensive, but that we weren't spending millions of dollars on visual effects or huge build outs. We had these amazing sets that uh, the manor and like the offices and everything that are really beautiful. So trying to use the sets more and stuff like that. Yeah. And so when, I, so when I was writing, I had everything in mind and I knew like and when I was editing, I, was, I knew what we could afford and what we couldn't. And previous on Paper Girls, when we were writing for that, you know, I think it's more of a budget. It's Amazon is more of a budget for Paper Girls. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that I was pitching and writing sometimes, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, if I had known how to write to production, I wouldn't be pitching uh, a transforming car that turns into whatever, you know, yeah. that, that would cost a million dollars for one scene. You know, I wouldn't push that, be pitching that. So now I understand that. It's something you can't really understand until you do it until you experience it yeah yeah because um there's so many components into in making a movie making a tv show uh it it, and then to try to bring written work to life it takes a lot of money so it's like you have to pare it down sometimes um okay so that's that's cool so so paper girls you were working on first before you worked on um the tom swift so what what how did so you knew Cameron like socially but like how did you end up nailing that job uh Tom Swift job yeah Tom Swift oh yeah Tom Swift yeah I I my manager I'm pretty sure just he's I've seen the announcement for Tom Swift and I was like oh great Cameron has a show that might come out and then and then my manager texting me about it like are you interested I'm like yeah of course and then I just had a couple interviews with um him and the other producer executive producers and I was lucky enough to be hired based on my sample and the meeting and everything and, and what they were, what kind of level they were looking for in the room and it all and all really worked out. Yeah, and the keywords that we mentioned earlier, black, queer. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, as, as, as a queer black man, it was so great to write on a show then the number one was a queer black man. Like that was, that was so, so amazing. Yeah, and you know, yeah, I mean, it would be amazing if it was uh, taken uh, by another network, if it was picked up, if it was... Yeah. Um, you know, movie, yeah. something, something that it has like another, another life. But I, I believe that it will like, uh, um, yeah. you know, people talk about like Demi Mond, um, uh, JJ Abrams. Like, I feel like, oh, yeah. I feel like it, it has another life somewhere. It's going to come out some, sometime. Um, Fingers crossed. Yeah. We've got a lot of great stories. So yeah. Great. There's so <laughs> many, there's so many great stories. So like, who's putting out any, who's putting out work that really excites you right now? Um, yeah, there's some really good stuff on right now. I really like Never Have I Ever. Yeah, on Netflix. loved it. Uh, it's just phenom- phenomenal, colorful. I relate to them in high school, and it's hilarious, but also emotional. That's kind of a little bit uh, outside of the shows that I've worked on. That's kind of really close to my writing style, which is just very colorful, coming of age, high school space. And similar to that, Sex Education, I also love that Love show. it, yeah. Phenomenal. I'll laugh one scene, I'll cry the next scene. It's this John Hughes fantasy world it's just so good yeah and uh, um, I, I believe his name is uh shuti gati he's yeah yeah he's going to to uh doctor who so that's going to be really is, cool yeah. so yeah it's it's almost like that tom swift energy maybe they were like oh tom swift like oh maybe we'll have uh the actor from sex education so you never know you might have planted a yeah. seed there I hope I hope so. I yeah. think he's amazing, and I feel like his character in Sex Education, the queer, I think he's Nigerian on the show as well. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I've seen anything close to myself on TV, honestly. So that was really emotional. Yeah, for me. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, yeah. just uh, he's a light. He's the heart of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, I love I love that show too, and that's I think coming back soon. Um, yeah. So uh, okay, so you love such Sex Education. You love Never Have I Ever. I love all these shows too. Um, is that your primary focus is is sort of like teen genre you'd say that's that's a, a somewhat i that's like my bread and butter i love ya and i read a lot of uh, ya mm-hmm. but i also love a lot of like genre stuff as well like i really 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 love watchmen i mean who didn't you know watchmen is one of the best things i've ever seen on tv the watchmen um, yeah watchmen it was yeah excellent. it was so good yeah so good. I loved it so much. I also loved Lovecraft Country. I'm so sad it didn't come back for another season. Yeah. It was so phenomenal. And then there's other shows like, I mean, I'm watching The House of Dragon, which I'm also enjoying a lot. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> you know, so. It was yeah. so weird. It's so weird, though, with uh, yeah. they were trying to uh, push their little girl to marry. Oh, that, that scene was so that awkward. Episode, I, 
And I know it was supposed to be gross, but it, it just was like, it still felt gross, like in a way that I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> What's hilarious too is that because um, it, it happened at the same time that Leo DiCaprio and his 25 yeah. year old girlfriend broke up because yeah. he only dates under 25 year olds. And yeah, I knew it. Yeah. I, I had been saying it in my, like, my, at my job forever, like that, that woman's yeah. contract is almost up. And they're like, yeah. no, no, they're they're together. Just no, I'm like, no, that she's gonna get kicked to the curb pretty soon. And so, yeah, sure enough. Um, but anyway, um, in memes, there was uh, yeah. that like, you know, Leo with like his next girlfriend, it, and it was the the patriarch in a uh, House oh, of yeah. Dragon <laughs> with the little girl. So it was pretty funny. The internet is eating him up, and I'm I'm honestly <laughs> here for it. It's kind of it's kind of indefensible. The whole graph. That yes. His age uh, ascending, yeah, and then each girlfriend it ended twenty five right before twenty five, and I'm like, you can't. What do you What do you say to that? What do you say to that, Leo DiCaprio? Yeah, yeah, the pr proof <laughs> is in the pudding. But and that actually has been around because I remember New York Magazine did something, and, and this is mm -hmm. um this is when it, I think he started dating Camilla. So this is uh it's been it's it's been known <laughs> that like yeah. he only rocks with uh you know young women. And um, it's like uh, it's like uh, Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused. You know, I get old and they stay the same age. And so, yeah, yeah God. <laughs> you know, at least they're not 15. At least they're not like actually. At least they're of age women. You know, it's like and it's weird because if it was like not a pattern, it wouldn't be that you know whatever yeah but, like it's like it's such a clear pattern it's like oh <laughs> and and yeah and i guess he he's fine with it he's like yeah that's my pattern i accept it yeah. Yeah. i don't know i guess so i don't know yeah um is there has there ever been like a pattern where you were like i need to break that like um i mm. i try to wake up early to write um yeah. do you have like a pattern that like for writing do you have um do you, do you have like a ritual? Um, I feel like I, I'm very kind of loosey goosey with my writing because I feel like in the industry you'll get advice from like execs and producers or I mean uh, writers, you know, showrunner level writers who will be like, you have to write every day unless you have a kid, you should be writing every day, I don't care what your job is. And I always want to say, that's not true. Yeah. Do what works for you. You know, when I worked those long hours as an executive assistant, I wrote on the weekend when I could. If my boss was out of town for a week, I'd write at work. But I, there were weeks I didn't write at all because I was too exhausted. Right. That's fine. Yeah. You know, so I think, I think, so when I'm really busy, I don't write a ton of uh, other stuff. And even when I'm in a room, like Tom Swift was a very busy room, was amazing on the spot, but I didn't write a ton of my own work outside of Tom Swift because I focus on the show. Right. Whereas sometimes in other rooms, I might have more time and more bandwidth. Mm -hmm. But um, so it just it depends on what my life is like. Now that I've been off work since the show's cancellation, I wrote a pilot really fast. I wrote a pilot in a few weeks and now, and I wrote a second draft last week. So oh, that's I awesome. have all the time, the, I have all the time in the world. I can write really fast. But then if I, if I'm a little bit busy, then it's a little bit hit or miss. So I kind of just do it loosey goosey, like whatever hits me at the moment, I'll, I'll, I'll go forward with it. So is it kind of like, um, like when you're working out or like you're, you're, I don't know, you're gearing up for like a 5k or something. It's like eventually like one, like one day you're just walking, running down the block the next day you're running a mile like is that uh with your writing speed because it sounds like you write really fast because like i'm trying to work on a rewrite right now and i've been working on it yeah. all summer like it's it's been um just to figure out the mechanics of it has been sort of yeah. hard for me but like has you know just working on these projects helped you with your speed 100 because i feel like before i was in rooms and a staff writer i I would work on projects for a long time, partly because I didn't have the time as much, mm -hmm. but it, it took me a long time to get through it. But then when I have the luxury of not being on in a room and, and not working, but not worrying about my money, mm -hmm. you know, if you've worked on a few shows, you don't have to worry about working immediately. You can have a few months off. So when my job is just for me to write this new pilot that I'm writing, I can do it really fast because the odds are the, the pilot's been in my head a little bit. Yeah. Like, the idea's been in my head and I've had a couple notes jotted down. And then I can like go. So it's not me starting from complete scratch. It's like something I've been thinking about for a while. I'm like, when I have time, I can sit down and write it. And then when I do have that time, a week, or a week or two of notes and 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 outlining, and then a few days or a week of like writing that first draft and just kind of getting it all on paper. So yeah, it's definitely like a lot, a slow process of thinking, mm -hmm. which is also part of writing. Yeah, you know, thinking about it, it's part of writing. And then when I have all the time in the world, then I can just sit down, sleep in, and get wake up. And just write all day, you know, which is which I love. Nice. Um. So, what is your writing process like? Like, is it outlining? Are you 
writing a beat sheet first? Like what, what's, what's the process? I feel like for TV, it's, um, I usually, um, do like one doc, Google doc. That's just like random notes. It's just kind of really messy. And then I'll do a rough outline and then I'll do a, a more detailed outline. Mm-hmm. I'm very big in outlines. Yeah. So I, I, sometimes I even write the scene in the outline cause I, I'm too nervous to open up the final draft and put it on like a script. So I'll write a lot in the outline. So that's why when I'm writing the script, it comes usually pretty fast because I'm, I've sketched it out so much. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you can, so it can flow out. Um, like yeah. what words would you use to describe your style? Um, and I, I'm, I'm curious, like uh, writing style, but then also personal style. Oh yeah. Okay. So writing style, I would say character driven coming of age stories with the humor, you know, dramedy comedy, but it's just character driven coming of age. Is, is my is my main bread and butter mm-hmm. um with bite maybe i would say Ooh. some bite um and then uh personal style it's funny because i i really happy you think i'm fashionable i feel like i'm my fashion is very basic and not in a bad way but i just go down to the beverly center right next door or the grove and pick out shirts that i think are cute and then wear the same three jeans and like <laughs> and just like circulate through the same three jeans okay so i feel like it's very, very like, like easy and basic. Cause like people like Cameron Johnson yes. are incredibly fashionable. Yes. They know all these designers and they have all these shoes. And I'm like, oh, I've been wearing the same dusty ass boots for three years. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't have the band or the energy to care about fashion, but I, I know enough to, be, to pick out a cute shirt off the rack. Yeah. You know? I mean, you're wearing <laughs> a very nice, like, um, uh sweater like a kind of like short sleeve uh sweater like it looks like very textured um it looked like you put some thought into it it's my my husband wears like concert (laughs) t-shirts that's that's a vibe too honestly that can be that can be a vibe too yeah i feel like i i just go by i just go by shirts that are kind of nice and then and i put them on this is a very full shirt i'm wearing this i wear wear this for you wait who is it no, it's a very me shirt. It's a very full. Oh, full yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought you were no, talking no, no, no. about a designer. No, no, not yet. Maybe who knows? One day I might venture out. The full you know? line. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, because you you have that like magical name. Like it, this could be it could be branding opportunities there. So I think so. You know, just yeah. putting that out there. But like, um, <laughs> you know, going out to like the like like a, a a screenwriter shirt. Like you have like a screenwriter's clothing line or something like that. Maybe you yeah. and Cameron could work yeah. that out. <laughs> Um, okay, so, 100%. yeah, so, okay, so you're at the Beverly Center, or you're at the Grove, like, what are the, the stores that you gravitate towards? The most basic ones, I'm telling you. I go to H&M, Forever 21, Zara, um, I love Top Man. I, yeah, it's, it's like not, it's like, only, it's only at the Grove right now, I think, yeah. but I love Top Man, and I always want to be the person who's thrifting, but it's just the energy that, I, I hate shopping at a regular store, yeah. and like, picking stuff, and I don't try stuff on, I never try anything on. I just take it home, and if it doesn't fit, I return it, you know? Yeah. And But I, I do, my goal is to be kind of someone who can go to a thrift store and have the patience to find some really cool vintage pieces, you know? Yeah, but I don't know of very, very many in L.A. Um, I, yeah. I think I went to, a long time ago, Jet Rag. Uh, I think um, the, there's there's some spots in, like, Silver Lake, like, maybe on Hyperion yeah. or something, but, like, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of gravitate towards the fast fashion too. Right now, I've been yeah. doing more sort of online shopping, like um, mm. Farm Rio or like Reformation, or um, you know, these are um, these are they're, they're user you know user friendly, super easy to find something. Um, so, what's the first item that you gravitate towards when you're shopping? I think a good shirt, a good shirt that's like not too loud or doesn't really have anything written on it. Yeah. Kind of like, I really like stuff like this is like a, you know, it's like a short sleeve knitted shirt. So something that's a little bit textured or knitted, but it's like simple. Yeah. In that we'll just sit, we'll sit on my torso properly and give me some breathing room, but a little bit of shape. Yeah. Shape, but it's comfortable. Because the reason why I'm asking you all these like sort of personal style questions is because like I, I, when I shop, um, like right now, I, I my hair is whatever. I'm I'm wearing a a, a concert T-shirt myself, and so um, but like when I shop, I am thinking about meeting people. Like I'm thinking about like mm. you know if I'm if I'm gonna be networking, if I'm gonna 
go to a general meeting like what would I wear kind of thing so I'm wondering if like when you're shopping do you have that in mind too when you're finding like the simple textured um, shirt or pant are you thinking about that Um, like basically how does your style fit into your life now as a TV writer oh that's a good question yeah I feel like when I'm when I'm getting a very simple but like comfortable t-shirt I'm thinking I can wear that in the writer's room uh, on Zoom because on Zoom, when the writer's room is very casual. You don't have to dress up or anything. Mm-hmm. And for me, like a pack, a pack of like five cotton t-shirts that are like generally nice. It was great for the room. And then I, then I'm like the shirts that are good for if I'm going to lunch or going to dinner or like have a nice meeting in person. I might wear a more of a shirt like this, where that's like knitted or that's generally like kind of nicer. And then. Then I might be looking for shirts that like are tank tops or stuff that I can wear out to the beach or at a bar, or, like a cute shirt that I could wear to like a, a party. Like mm-hmm. I might get a mesh shirt if I'm feeling a little crazy. I might get a mesh Ooh. shirt for a nice for like a nice fish, outdoor fish party. Net. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, a good, a good like fish okay. net. Okay, you know, for like for a nice fun party. So uh-huh. yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, um, picture yourself in three years. What are you wearing? Are you going to a party? Walking to work or relaxing? Like, what are you? What's the scene? Me in three years, I want to be wearing a really nice suit just because I don't really buy suits and I just don't, my, I, but I want to have like found a really nice fashionable suit and be going to anywhere that I need to wear a suit, honestly. It could be a wedding, it could be uh, like a industry party or something, but I don't dress up often, especially with the pandemic. It's, but, so I want to be dressed up for something. So is this like a bespoke suit, like a rich fresh, or is this like a fast fashion, but it, it, it's fly? I don't even know what bespoke or the other <laughs> thing you said is, but I, I, want, I want it to be not fast fashion. I, I want it to be like a sustainable Something like okay. uh, something environmentally friendly, something that makes me feel ethical but fashionable. Fly but I'll ethical. Pay, I'll pay, yeah, I'll pay more for ethical and any anything in my apartment. I'll pay more for the ethical version of anything. Honestly. Nice. Okay. This yeah. this would also be part of your screenwriter's um, fashion collection. It's it's ethical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. If you could live in any fictional world, which would it be and why? I feel like I should think more about this, but I'm going to say the Harry Potter universe because I'm really you don't understand how much a Harry Potter nerd I was and am, and I would I would want to be there and be in the magic, be in Hogwarts, and just be because it because it is because it, it it lives amongst our real world, yeah. so I wouldn't have to leave it behind, you know. But then I would be able to see all this magic and fly on hippogriffs. And I sound so nerdy right now, but it's okay. But it sounds I, it really it sweet. I yeah. want to live in yeah. that world. I don't feel like yeah. what's happening right now is trash. Like it your is. world yeah. sounds really nice. It, it sounds better. And also the, the films I think were really well done. And just all that scenery. And I mean, I could go to these places in real life, I guess. But all that scenery and like in like in like the UK, mm-hmm. all the mountains and the water. I want to be on like a hippogriff flying over all, or a dragon or whatever and see all the beautiful scenery. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's great. Even the, what's remarkable is that they had so many different directors working on yeah. all of the movies, but somehow there was a cohesive thread, um, yep. even though it's like Alfonso Cuaron on one and Mike Newell mm-hmm. or, you know, Chris Columbus, and they're, they're all from yeah. sort of different, different uh, uh, thinking, um, different exactly. philosophies, but like, yeah, somehow it all like came together and meshed. Um, which is, I guess, like Marvel. So, um, yeah, what would be like your dream project? Would it be would it be something like um, like a Harry Potter universe or like, uh, you know, some kind of like, you know, Doctor Who, Tom Swift kind of universe? Like what 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 would be like your dream project to be a part of or to create? Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, I think. If they, because I know there were early talks about a Harry Potter universe TV show, that would be my dream project just because I know the books and the movies so well. And I think it would just be so much fun. And now that, especially now that we've seen like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that come come to the screen, yeah. that would be my dream project is a Harry Potter universe. Yeah. And they're all about IP. And yeah, that everything has to be IP. IP yeah. and, and it's just like easy IP too. Like everyone loves Harry Potter. So of course, yeah. like it would, it would do really well. Yeah. My close second would be like a 
just to be able to to work on a queer coming of age high school story, which I'm sure that's that, that'll be easier for me to get on than a Harry Potter yeah. uh, TV show. So, but like just something that's real. I really love queer YA coming of age is so important for everyone, yeah. especially when you're coming out and everything. It's just I really love to work on a show like that. Heartstopper. I didn't finish oh, the yeah. series, but that was really sweet. Yeah. Those are really sweet. I love um, that show. Like family friendly show. Um, yeah. Just really lovely, lovely, lovely kids, all nice to each other. Mm -hmm. They worked their their shit out together. Like they, you know, and they were all friends. It's a very nice show. I love shows like that that are very sweet and saccharine. Yeah. I mean, like my, my writing style has a little bit more bite to it, but I also love, love, love those kind of shows because they just make me feel warm inside. It's why I read YA as well, where it just makes me feel nice and warm. Same with like Love, Victor. I love that show as well. Mm -hmm. It's just so sweet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What's the best uh, YA that you've read recently? Oh, I'm looking over here because oh, no one can see me, but I'm looking towards my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a book called Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Which I would recommend to everyone. It oh. is YA, but it is. Who's it, the I writer? Would say it's um, it is. Oh crap! His last name is Science. There's S A E N E N Z. Um, I think it's like. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, but oh, Benjamin Aliri Science. Yeah. Um, he's. It's just a phenomenal, it, and I wouldn't. Even, it is YA in a sense, but it, I would. It, it's so elevated that I think it would just. It just. It was just a. Uh, great novel in general but it's just about these uh latin american kids and and i think they're in like new mexico or something in the 80s and they're kind of coming of age and forming a friendship and their family drama and it's just it's one of the most beautiful books that i've ever read it's really good oh wow yeah he's he's a poet also yeah exactly and so his writing really poetic and beautiful and uh, they're making a movie. They're, I think they shot it already. They're making a movie out of it. So I'm excited about that. Uh, from Aristotle and, and Dante. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. Okay, yeah, I will definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, I've read some very little YA um, as an adult, but like, yeah, like yeah. Um, like John Green, you know, people like yeah. that. Yeah, um, The Hate You Give. Um, mm -hmm. So, so yeah, so I will definitely check check that out. What's making you happy these days? Mm, that's a good question. Honestly, Love Island. I love watching Love Island. It's just, With Davide? Yeah, Davide. He's, he's so handsome. It's, it's kind of like, his accent, I know it's his real accent, but it sounds like someone making fun of an Italian Yes, that's what I've been it's saying. So <laughs> it, it sound, to me, it sounds like um, from, uh, if you saw Luca, who wants to yes. see me eat the sandwich? Yeah, it sounds just like that. Is it? And it, he rolls. It's like it's, it's like I'm like it sounds like a caricature. Yeah. Italian yeah. The the a part of me feels like we're being played here. Like this is a Honestly, a guy from Manchester faking an Italian accent. Would not be a surprise. It's there's so many episodes of that damn show, and it's just yeah. I started like it's like during, during the pandemic. It was like honestly just hit the fan i'm home let me just start watching the show and I, I have not looked back since it's so much fun yeah. it's so mindless yeah it's 50 like 50 plus episodes and yeah. they're all just kind of like loafing around in their bikinis and like yeah. i fancy <laughs> him but it's early days i don't yeah, know yeah, it's early yeah. days <laughs> it's the same conversation over and over again and the favorite, my favorite thing about it is every time they do the things that they do every season every week they do a recoupling they bring new islanders in Everyone is so shook and surprised. Yes. I'm like, have you seen the show that you're on? And they're all you're like, what's going on? And they, and they always they fall into the same spirals. But I guess when, you, when you're when you there, you probably just get into a mode where you forget everything. Yeah. And you just kind of. <laughs> or maybe you think that, like, you know, I'm just so together that no one can touch me. Like, you know, yeah. um, like India is just like, you know, I got, I got you know uh demi or i got um yeah. uh akenna like i i have them yeah. in the bag yeah. but then the other women come in like oh okay i guess i guess and i have competition my friend described it as amazing because it's all these extremely hot people having an existential crisis when someone a little bit hotter comes in yes in the villa. <laughs> so I'm like, that's honestly and it's honestly a great portrait of like 
human psyche in some ways, like the way the journeys that some of these characters, these people go through over the course of the whole season. Yeah, it's 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 so it's fascinating. Have yeah. you seen the U.S. version? I have not seen it at all. I have, uh-huh. I have seen it. I and I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy it almost. As, the U.K. is better, but the U.S. is really. It's very good. Okay, yeah, yeah I have to check it out because uh, this summer was all about like F Boy Island, and then I oh, watched yeah. I watched um, Love Island, um, F Boy Island. Um, I, I love that show. I love Nikki Glaser so good. Yeah, uh, it just wasn't like the it wasn't as hilarious as the first one, but I no, I enjoyed no. it. I watched it. It's good. I, I I like it too. Yeah, it's not. It's, it first one was a little bit better, but I enjoy that as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And this brings me my last question about the catfishing because we were talking about dating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you wrote a really funny article for the LA Times about catfishing. If you can talk about like how you did you pitch it, like how did you come to write this article, and how has your dating journey been since then? Like, has have you had did you find that Australian? God. I know it was like a fake. I know that was like a, yeah. a fake. Like he took like a fake Instagram picture. Yeah. Um, but did you ever yeah. find out who it was? Like, you know, is there more to that story? Oh my god, it's so funny because I I forget that I wrote that article. But it is. I think it's in my like my managers have like a bio of me. I think it's in my bio. So sometimes when I have meetings, people will mention, it and I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh yeah. It was so. It felt like it was so long ago. It was like five or six years ago. But um. I did find him. I don't know. If, I guess it wasn't in the article, but I did find him. And I said, oh, yeah. So after I wrote the article and it came out in the LA Times. So basically it was it was, it was a section where you can submit like love stories and stuff like that. And they, I, I submitted it. And a year later to the day, they, they responded and ran it. Wow. It like, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot that I emailed them right, and, and, and everything. And then so I was catfished using and it was this hot Australian models pictures. So after the. Uh, article ran in the LA Times print and online edition. Mm-hmm. I I found the model on Instagram and I DM'd him the article and he has like a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand followers, but he verified. So I was like, not going to see this. So I DM'd him the article and it was like, I thought you'd get a kick out of this. And then he responded like almost immediately and was like, Hey, I just read your article. I'm so sorry that happened to you. I don't know why people catfish. It's so rude, but don't worry, man. Like you will find someone. And by the way, you're not out of my league at all. You're very handsome, uh, and and he was really sweet. And, I, and he and he was had a long message responding to it. So it actually was very sweet. So the person um, that yeah. responded, or the person that you sent it to, is the person that was also um, kind of a, a victim. Like they 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 yeah. took their someone took that person's pictures and was using yep. it as their own and saying, "This is me." Yeah, and exactly. so and so that's and so yeah. So you uh, it turned out you were you were talking to some kind of imposter, and then you reached out to the guy, the the actual guy whose face um, or picture yeah. it belongs to. Yeah, and so yeah, so th- so that's so cute that like you you emailed each other a little bit, like you communicated yeah. a little. Yeah, but he's not it's in really, LA. Really He's on LA, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I think he's straight. So it's like nothing, nothing, nothing will happen there. But it was yeah. nice that we kind of DM'd a little bit, and he was really sweet. Uh, yeah. Has yeah. it gotten easier dating? Honestly, no. I, 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 it would be better if the answer was yes, but not really. I think what's gotten better is I think that I wrote that I was on a journey of self love. I was at the beginning of a journey of self love and like trying to like really feel that self worth. And I think. That's gotten exponentially better as far as me yeah. loving myself, knowing my self worth, and knowing that I'm worthy. All that kind of work through self work and therapy and stuff like that. That's gotten a million times better, which is great. That's wonderful. I haven't really dated, dated much, but I that but I'm also not pressed about it. And I think I was pressed about it when I wrote the article. So it's yeah. like. I'm in, a, I'm, in a, I'm in a really good space, but there's nothing really to report. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. You want to just focus on your work you want to just um because you're you're on the rise you're happening you're gonna have a a clothing line you're gonna have the whole full uh you know whatever you're building your empire so it's like you don't have time for those those hoes anyway like whatever yeah exactly it's like it's like not it's not a priority at all if it happens soon great if it doesn't happen soon whatever you know it's not a priority so, yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah you can have your your full land like shonda land yeah. like you know whatever yeah. 
Then I'm going to have a walkie-talkie line. Walkie-talkie well. line. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, there's so much. So many possibilities. Bring it, bring it, bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's all connected. And so, yeah, Fola, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for chatting with me. You're wonderful. Um, you're, um, I, I can't wait to see what else you um, are a part of and you come up with and you, and you um, share with the world. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Okay. So we'll see you next week. I'm Yummy Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye. Bye.